Welcome to Amplified. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Welcome to Amplified and welcome to a new year, 2018. And man, what better way to start a new year than with a powerful guest who actually knows how to take on time and purpose and really combine them so you can have a magical 2018. Rose and I are so excited to, about this show. So, Rosa, happy new year. Happy new year to you, too. I can't believe how warm it is in this eastern coast. It's, it's like it's a vacation <laughs> here. A winter vacation. <laughs> yeah, Very cold, I, I don't like it. Well, I was thinking about going to Antarctica, but I'm like, I'm happy here right now. So we're gonna <laughs> exactly. save save me like twenty thousand dollars. So uh, twenty eighteen, brand new year, brand new marketing tips. I know you have some things that you were talking about during the break about how people can kind of clean up their social media so they have a very presentable. Uh, the perception is that they are professional and that they're making things happen. So would you like to share a tip or two? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, as we're planning for the new year and we're coming up with new strategies and things like that, we can't forget our old friends, uh, like Facebook, for example. Um, and if you are still using the same strategies in Facebook that you were using a year ago, even six months ago, then you're missing out in a lot of the new um, advantages that Facebook has for, for businesses. Um, for example, we are offering a, what we call a free makeover and takeover. Uh, makeover because we make over the page to make sure that it's optimized. There's a lot of the little details that people leave out because they're the boring parts of the page, you know, but they're very important. Um, and then a takeover so that they can see the real power of Facebook. So we actually take it over for seven days and show them a lot of the new um, strategies that Facebook has put out there. Um, you know, you and I use events for the for the show, and events are a very powerful way to communicate through Facebook. So you don't have to have a physical event to create a buzz about what you're doing. So events about you being interviewed, anything like that, create an event on your Facebook page because that will be seen by more people, and it, it creates that engagement and, and the buzz that you want. That's excellent. You know, it's funny you sharing that. My mind is saying, what could make this better? And it's the kind of question Peter would advise people to think about, like before you go to bed, when you're waking up, how can you make life better? How can you make this day better? And I thought of the fact that we haven't done something so simple, and I want your reaction live on air. What do you think about us making an amplified group of the of the guests we've had in the past and the guests we've had that are coming in the future because really they're like-minded, like-hearted, and they probably want to share the show. They want to stay in tune with people that are really top 1% mentality people. Yeah. What do you think of that? That's a great idea. And you know okay, how New Year's resolution. You know, when they come on the show, they connect, and that's a great way to keep everybody connected. I love it. So my New Year's resolution, first commitment regarding Amplified is I will create a group today, and my goal – is we have mm -hmm. over a uh, over a hundred shows at this point. My goal is to invite a hundred of the people we've had on our show. That's my goal, and I'm going to do that by Friday. So, I think Peter would be proud that I said what I'm going to do. I said when I'm going to do it, and I had a measurable aspect to it. But we're going to get to Peter in a couple minutes. I want to get to my brother, Michael Schmidlin, a wonderful man. The reason the show is happening, and I have a quote that I'm going to start off with before I even introduce Michael. And it's from Charlie Tremendous Jones. It says, the, different, the only difference from where you are today and where you'll be th uh, three years from now are the people you meet and the books you read. And Michael is certainly an example of someone that I think is bringing on a guest that's going to transform so many lives, not just today, but everyone that listens to this show afterwards. I have enjoyed talking on the phone a couple of times. And I walk, I get off the phone, I say, I want more of Peter, <laughs> I want more of Peter. So we are going to have as much time as we possibly can for Peter. But Michael, first of all, thank you so much for introducing Peter to me and to Amplified. Uh, you're very welcome. And, and I'm, I'm happy and honored to call both of you guys my friends. Um, I've known Ken for a number of years now. We met at a, an event out in San Diego and kind of became fast friends. Uh, and I would say that we're very like-minded. I grew up on the East Coast like Ken. 
And I, fortunately for me, moved out west a long time ago. And uh, as such, uh, have met a bunch of people during the course of the 35-plus years that I've been out west. Well, before you introduce Peter. Peter Stropel is another. And uh, I was fortunate enough to meet Peter uh, in our our relationship real quickly. had a rather inauspicious beginning in that neither one of us was overly impressed with the other. And fortunately, I think, and I'll speak for myself, but I think he would concur. Fortunately, both of us were mature enough to overlook our our, uh, incorrect false impressions of the other and uh, have become good friends over the last nine months. Uh, since we first met in last, last March. Uh, I have been a member of Friends of Peter since last April, and I will share with you that it's, it's a difficult, I mean, it's an experience. It's something that you really have to go to to fully understand and comprehend. And, it, and the individual that originally invited me did not do a great job of, of doing that, and understandably so, now having been there and experienced it. But it's, uh, it's really a non-networking event where some networking occurs after the fact. I mean, you get to know people for who they are and what they are, uh, not necessarily by rank or title, but uh, individuals, as individuals. And, uh, you know, I feel I, I, it's my tribe. Uh, I've, I've been looking for the four years since I moved to Austin uh, for a, a group that I could align with that shared my values, and uh, I found it. And uh, it has become a weekly must-attend event for me, and unless I'm out of town, I rarely miss a Saturday. And and here in Austin, it is every Saturday, and it's three hours plus. So it's a substantial commitment of time and energy, but it's something that is important enough to me that I will go to and continue to go to uh, moving forward as long as I live in Austin, and chances are if I move someplace else, I will start up a local chapter of Friends of Peter because it's that important to me. Well, I wanted to cut in because I don't want you to go to introduction because I want to acknowledge you. Again, I want to say that you and I had a conversation some 16 months ago about a, an idea I had, and although it never took off and uh, we didn't create anything in that moment, it has actually caused all the things that are happening now. And, and I will put the baseline of it being integrity and persistence. So I came up with an idea, BigEventsUSA.com. You said, hey, Ken, I see it's available. Let me secure it. You secured it. And a year went by and the project didn't really take off. We didn't get funding. And you were the ultimate gentleman ultimate professional. You called me. I did not know it was about to expire. You said, hey, Ken, what do you want me to do with this? It's going to expire. And I said, well, I have hopes of doing something with it someday, but I still don't have an answer yet. And it turned into a conversation we had, turned into the Peter introduction and Peter's introduction, obviously, and that call turned into roughly 12 other connections that I will be working on for the for months to come. But I wanted to just acknowledge you, Michael, for being such an upstanding wonderful, trustworthy professional. You really uh, get me emotional when I talk about you because you are such a stand for integrity. Good man. Thank you very much for the kind words. I I truly appreciate it, and I will make sure that this month's check is on time. (laughs) Uh, I want to also say that you said the person didn't do a great job of explaining Friends of Peter, uh, but I I would argue that he did do a great job because the invitation was accepted and you actually came and experienced it. Had he done a bad job of, uh, of explaining it, he may have done too good a job of explaining it. And you said, Oh, I got it. I don't need that. And then you didn't go. So I just want to say it's interesting when we actually uh, are enrolled in something, it is actually the mystery of it sometimes and then going to get the clarification. So um, and, and I, I would was, just say that he had originally invited me in November of the previous year, and it took oh, five see. months to get there. So. <laughs> I see, I see. Well, without further ado, let's go ahead and have you. Uh, I want to honor you with this introduction since you know Peter better than anyone. So uh, well, please, you. please go ahead and introduce him. Sure. Peter has been called one of the world's great rainmakers and the most connected man in America. And I will say from my personal perspective, he's made some introductions for me. Uh, over the last couple months that have been of great benefit to me and and will be moving forward. Uh, He's a student of business and life. 
He calls on a dream list of global business and political leaders to provide instant feedback to validate business concepts and direction. He's a former director with Dell Computer Corp. and Grid Systems Corporation, who ironically was the inventor of the modern clamshell-style laptop. Uh, In 2008, he created Friends of Peter, and we are approaching our 500th meeting uh, in a couple weeks to bring business and community leaders together to affect instant change as it relates to the critical business and social needs of a community or country. Considered one of the top business strategists dealing with instant change, Peter has developed unique techniques to address and refocus the company's strategy in a few hours versus a few months. Peter is passionate about children's issues, combating child abuse, supporting foster care, and reforming education. He had 16 people living in his home at one time with the goal of helping those families get out of debt and establish a new foundation for the future. He has three children and lives in Austin, Texas. And without further ado, I would like to introduce my dear friend and brother from another mother, Peter Stropel. Welcome, Peter. Thank you, Michael. Hey, thanks, Ken. It's an honor to be part of this this morning. And you are starting our new year off. You are the 2018 message. We are saying this is what we got to, this is where the bar is set right now. So I'm so excited that we had a conversation last night where it, it created a new possibility of Friends of Peter being invited once a month to our show in hopes of actually having an anthology of this message uh, being thread together. So uh, I'm already excited about that part too. So I wanted for a guest uh, to know who you are better. I would love to ask, obviously, your story. But uh, if you go back in time and think about what happened in your childhood that uh, was influential, uh, a marker that kind of caused you to be who you are today. Sure. Uh, Well, I grew up in in Canada and uh, was born in Edmonton. And uh, my mother was a single mom, and I have a twin sister. And... uh, and uh, uh, we were born, uh, I, my birth name was Laszlo Chupor. I was Hungarian, and my mother had come in uh, in uh, 57. She came to Canada out of Hungary, and uh, she had a, a relationship and, uh, and ended up having, you know, two children and twins. And, uh, it, uh, you know, within a year, she was putting put us up for adoption. Um, I, I didn't remember my mom, obviously, and uh, but uh, they put us into a foster system, or I guess a, an orphanage, and uh, the orphanage ch- changed my name to uh, to actually Bar- Barnabas or, or Barney they called, and uh, and uh, and then in, uh, when we were three and a half years old, uh, my dad Doug Stropel uh, adopted us. So it's interesting having three names before that age, but you know I remember the day that I was adopted. And uh, I remember wow. that the, the sense of family and uh, the things that mattered. What was so interesting for me is my dad said we had our own language, and I don't I don't know whether it was uh, Hungarian or what it was, but my sister and I always had a way of communicating. And because of the fact that I was I literally was like a parent to her, um, I had to I, I taught her to do her shoes, uh, you know, shoelaces. Uh, uh, I was always that base of support and, and safety for her. And, um, you know, after we were adopted, um, our, my, my dad's wife, uh, Jean Stropel, who was our mom, and I remember asking this question to her, did we come from your belly? And she said, yes, you came from my belly. And I remember looking at Mary at the end of the bed and said, Mary, we're home. And, and imagine three and a half years old having that conversation. Um, yeah. Within three years, my mother passed away. She had a uh, had uh, stomach cancer, and I remember nothing but just pain. Uh, she was always crying. She was always going back and forth to hospitals, and uh, I remember the moment that she died. Um, we were in a home. Uh, that somebody came in and said to us, "You know, stay in the room." I remember looking out a window. Uh, I saw what I thought was an ambulance, but it didn't have any lights on it. It was black. Uh, it was a hearse. And um, I snuck out the back and was going to the restroom. And as I was walking down to the end of the hall, and they were bringing my mother out on a, on a stretcher. And I remember looking at her, and she was like she was sleeping. But I remember looking at her saying, you know, I remember saying to myself, she's not in any pain. 
she's like the most peaceful that I've ever seen her, not knowing that she was dead. And, mm-hmm. and, and everything that happened after that was kind of an amazing, uh, you, know, you know, what happened. I mean, my dad almost had a nervous breakdown. Uh, everything, our lives changed completely after that. But I, the sense of family, that basis kind of went away. And um, I really believe that, you know, the reason why I'm in, in life and the reason why I do what I do today is not only create those, those, uh, those places of safety, but when people are struggling or people don't understand, you always have to ask somebody else, especially when you're young, you always, you know, what, what's happening. You know, I didn't understand death at the time. I understand death a lot better after that. Um, but I, I, you know, I was so focused on making sure that the only thing that really mattered at that point after that, because the family started to fall apart, was my sister. And, and I understood that my dad made a decision very young that he wanted a son. He already had daughters. My dad remarried. The woman who he remarried was horrible, a true step monster. Um, uh, I remember having conversations with my sisters later on in life as we get older, and a lot of their friends said they used to have stories my sisters would share in regards to how Mary and I were treated by this woman um, because my, my sisters were 10 years older than us. So, again, we were young kids. They didn't really, they were already moving on in life. Uh, as we started to grow up. And again, I saw them leaving the home, but it was just us with this woman that was not very nice. And and the stories that they used to share about how she would treat us, which obviously we had to live through that, uh, was amazing, the, the way it affected them. And, and it wasn't until they met us and we share our stories, they'd say, wow, this is true. We didn't think your sisters, we didn't couldn't understand how people would be treated the way that you two young kids were being treated. And it was amazing. Um, I, I was very lucky growing up. I, I love sports. I love soccer. I love hockey. I, I wanted to be really good at both of those things. And as I was growing up, there were certain people, and it tended to be coaches, that saw something special in me. And, and one of the people was a gentleman, Dr. Easton Wren, and I'd love Easton to be on a show sometime. He was one of the world's great geologists and used to be head of uh, geophysicists, uh, geophysics for, the, uh, for Amoco as an example. But he, he, he consults to countries in regards to oil and glass. And um, I eventually, um, I ended up moving to the U.S. And, and I got a message from Easton and he said, Peter, I heard you're in Houston. Um, I'd love to come to have dinner with you. And so here I am knowing him as a, a nine-year-old uh, now, years later, as adults, I'm meeting this man who had a huge impact on my life. And we're sitting at the table, and I looked at him. He said, Peter, you know, when you were nine, there's something very special about you. I wanted to adopt you. My wife and I actually had the conversation that we wanted to adopt you, but we couldn't. And we knew it would probably kill your dad. So it's the only reason why we didn't do that. But I remember thinking back, are you serious? There was, you uh. saw something in me. And this is a man that, again, was a soccer coach. Um, and who just, he would, he'd ask me to babysit his kids. He'd pay me too much money for what I was doing. His kids were a year, uh, a year younger than me in some cases. So what, what am I, who's, who's babysitting who sometimes? And mm-hmm. I was just fascinated. But the fact that he would have that conversation with me and said, there was something so special about you. And I saw that. And I, it, it was a, a chance for me to look at him and say, Easton, you have no idea what you did for me. And now I understand a lot more in regards to the impact you had on my life, but I want you to know I love you. And he was probably played the greatest role in my growing up as far as a man that treated me with respect and, and would always love me and, and, and create opportunities for me to be with his family in summers. But every time he created something, it took me away from my sister. And every time I went away from my sister, she was... She was abused more, uh, even to the point where at 14, uh, she decided she wanted to leave home. And within a month of her leaving, I decided I had to leave because I didn't want to be anywhere without my sister. And where she was kind of going home to home, I had to create a life for myself. And I ended up moving out and moving in with a, a cousin and, uh, and the cousin asked me to pay rent, and I didn't realize I was paying the rent that he couldn't pay. 
imagine at mm-hmm. 14 years old trying to create a place of support. You know, right. There's so many things that happened at that point. I'm probably giving you too much information here. Well, you're not giving me too and much I'm, information, Peter. Uh, we have only an hour, and this is, I'll tell you the example of how giving and vulnerable you are, and I appreciate that. I want to split the show into two segments. One segment is getting to know you, Peter, the person. Your story that you've shared is, is very needed for that purpose. And then the other half is what you shared on um the Be Human Project, as well as some of our phone calls, and hopefully some of the work that will be published. As you know, I have a great interest, as do some other people that love you very much, of having your spoken word turned into a legacy piece. So with, with that said, let's, uh, let's close the personal story with uh, how is your sister, where is your sister uh, with regards to you now, and, um, and how did you meet your wife? We can just do that little wrap-up. Sure. Yeah. So... Um, Mary lives in uh, Nova Scotia, Canada. Uh, had a very, still a rough life, and uh, um, uh, you know, still trying to kind of figure out her place in life. Uh, um, I, uh, yeah, this is. Uh, I apologize in some cases because of the fact that it probably went down a path that I probably shouldn't have. Um, mm-hmm. But um, l- let me share this: is that um, when you look back at life and you sit back and say, "Well, look, here's." Here's the person I love more than anything. We've come through life together, all the goods and bads. And why are we in different places? Why am I different than she is today? And I'm always fascinated by that. We start off together, but all of a sudden, life takes you different places. She's probably still today one of the greatest agents in my life. She tells everybody that she's my sister. Um, I love her. And, uh, you know, I don't understand her in some ways. Uh, but, um, you know, where I'm, where I'm at today is that, uh, you know, I've been able to um, create an amazing life uh, with um, people that have come into my life and, and it's at times in my life. And, um, in, and I'm at this place today where, you know, I, I am looking at this as the kind of the legacy of my life. And, uh, and a year and a half ago, uh, I met an amazing woman, uh, Kelly Nielsen. And, um, who has her own issues in regards to health and, uh, but somebody that it was so based in love and, and, and Christian love, um, in regards to wanting to be around me. And if there's anything you learn through life and when you go through especially crisis, you're always very aware of who the people are, the good people and bad people, who are the people who are trying to play games. You can see people that are sincere or not sincere. Um, you can see where there's always a, what's in it for them. Uh, attitude, uh, but I've always been fascinated when you start attract people that are absolutely 100% focused on making a difference and 100% there for you. Um, you can see that. And if there's anything, when you start looking at Friends of Peter or you start looking at the, the businesses uh, that I've been involved in or the, 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 the strategies to life that I've created is based on that, how do you determine in a moment is this the right person? Is this person there for you? Or are we going to do anything that's going to make a difference? And because of that, uh, it's people like Michael, people like you are being brought into my life. The reason why Kelly's in my life is because we're 100% focused, not on ourselves, but 100% focused on what we can do together to make a difference. Well, we have a couple minutes to the first break. So uh, just to, again, kind of close out the personal story, uh, tell me about your wife, uh, how long you've been married, and who she is to you. And I think actually you sharing this show with your sister, uh, you never know how a conversation and acknowledgement and, and obviously the emotional aspect of the show may actually uh, impact her. Well, I agree with that. And, uh, and by the way, uh, Kelly Nielsen and I aren't married. Um, that's going to be our goal for this year. And, oh, awesome. uh, yeah. And, uh, uh, but, uh, um, but you know, like I said, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the way God works and bring people into your life that uh, make a difference. And uh, she's making a huge difference in, in my life. It just gives the, her class and, and uh, the significance of who she is. And uh, I would love her to be part of of, of one of the Saturday or one of the conversations because uh, uh, you can see the world through a woman's eyes, especially a woman that's been through some tough things. Um, and and uh, you know. The, my story becomes almost not even relevant when you start hanging around with people that uh, have something more significant to talk about. 
So I've alluded yeah. to a book that I'm urging you to publish, and I'm going to put you on the record right now, and you can say whatever you wish, Peter, but are you up for the game of having your conversation, your thoughts that could impact the world and make the world a place be a book that you publish this year? Would you be open to that? Thanks. Thanks to you, Ken, and uh, thanks to Kelly and Michael. Yes, I will absolutely say that. So, and this will be your first book, is that correct? Uh, it would be my first book. Yeah. Okay. So, so you know, we can so, have a whole conversation so, about books, you know. <laughs> right. But in, in 2018, um, on the eighth day, we are already sharing that Peter's life will have a book to impact the world, a legacy piece, and he's going to get married. That's the intention is that he's going to get married. So, bravo. What a segment. We have two life-changing experiences, and I wanted to see if we could get that in before the first break. Now, when we come back in the second break, I really want to go deep into some of your amazing uh, breakthroughs and strategies and paradigm shifts that you've uh, experienced and also shared on the Be Human Project. So we're going to be back in about a minute. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash The Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at umbrellasyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify. Welcome back for the second segment. That first segment went by like a snap, and I'll tell you during the break, Peter, being the humble person he is, apologized that he went too deep and too personal. And I said, my goodness, man, I just owe you the apology that the show's not two hours to preferably 10 hours long so I could really uh, have the kind of conversation I want to have with you, which would be a day-long conversation. So, Peter, we're going to shift to 2018 uh, thoughts, uh, introspection, and advice on how people can really evaluate their life. I know that you... Uh, really have a different opinion about the value of time after uh, a health issue you had. So we'll start off with part two of the personal aspect of Peter and why this second segment is even happening by you sharing how, what happened to you, uh, I think it was in four years ago, if you wouldn't mind taking over at that point. Sure. Um, Yeah, actually uh, in uh, July 3rd of uh, 2003, I had a massive heart attack, and uh, effectively, uh, effectively, I was gone. Um, I was life flighted to a, a, a ER room, and it was a. It had to be a, a critical coronary care unit in Texas. Uh, they said if they would have brought me back to my home, I would have died. Uh, so they flew me to this uh, place in Odessa, Texas, and I was sitting with the doctor on a Saturday morning, July fourth, and the doctor's looking at me, saying, "Peter, um, I don't know why I'm." Well, he said, first of all, you look better than you did last night. Uh, I don't know why I'm talking to you because he said, uh, and he showed me an EKG. He said, this is the EKG of a dead man. And uh, uh, I don't understand. And and I said to him, so what do you do? What did you do to save me? And he said, Peter, we gave you last rites. Uh, we thought you were too far gone. And I said, well, and I'm completely aware of what was going on. And, and, I, and I, in a moment, I realized that Here's a doctor telling me he couldn't do anything. There must have been something bigger. He even said to me, Peter, I'm not a guy that believes in religion and, and, and I'm not a faith-based guy, but there's something special about why you're here. 
And then I realized in that moment that time is finite. Today might be the only thing that matters. I realized after that, and this was what they were telling me in regards to my health uh, going forward, uh, I was very lucky to be alive. So today is all that matters. And because of that, time is finite. And what are we going to do with that? And that's the thing that really changed me. So I've only got today, uh, no matter what happens to me today, am I hanging with people that matter? Are we talking about things that matter? Are we going to do anything that's going to make a difference? Because if my legacy is going to be tied to my friends and the people that I love in regards to what I can do today, that might be the most significant thing. And that's what I do. And that's what I've done and what I've created. And uh, um, um, I don't know if I answered that question. but You did. And I want to just uh, preface this for the audience that Peter said in a, a video I watched, what I do today matters, who I do it with matters. So he actually evaluates his time. And if it doesn't resonate with his heart and his mind, it isn't going to be done. Is that a good way of paraphrasing your comment? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I want to fast forward. Four years ago, I had another massive heart attack. And, uh, and then I had a stroke. So you can imagine being sitting there in another. Uh, and, and by the way, after that last heart attack, the, my cardiologist said, I can't help you anymore. We have to introduce you to a heart transplant program. Um, he said they're the only ones that can deal with you at that level which is what's happening in Texas. I'm, 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 uh, I'm being looked after by the, uh, the Seton Hospital, the heart transplant program. I haven't had had my heart replaced, but the bottom line is that could be the future. But when you have a stroke, it's amazing. I have this conversation. You wonder if you're relevant. When you're, when you're dealing with paralysis, paralysis, I can't even say it. When you have my body was paralyzed, and then you can't speak. And the words you're using are, you can imagine, your brain's 100% aware. If somebody asks you what day it is, um, my brain is saying Monday, but it comes up, uh, you know, I was like, well, what's that about? And it was fascinating for me just to understand what was happening. But I had this conversation with God in regards to, am I going to be relevant to me at all, at all anymore? I couldn't even tell my kids I loved them. And I had no question that I was going to be relevant. I had going to be no question, but I also realized the most important thing is the brain. And the bottom line, in a heart, and I'm going to learn a lot about life and, and what I need to become. And I realize there's a lot of people with head injuries coming out of the, uh, out of the military. Uh, the doctors said there's going to be a lot more people having strokes. All of these things were things that they were telling me that what I'm dealing with is what is going to become normal. And so I was very aware of what I'm going to, that's my future is going to be dealing with these types of issues. And, and because of that, allowed me to be able to come back and, and, and know what's relevant and what's important and the things I need to focus on. And obviously, I don't think I'd, I would have met Michael. I certainly would have uh, never met you, Ken, if it wasn't for these types of things matter. I would, um, created, Friends of Peter was already created, but, but Friends of Peter also saved my life because when you can't communicate and you come back and you have a group that allows you to be able to share things, and if the words aren't, aren't, aren't said in the right way your friends teach you, which was what was happening, teaching me to, to, to speak again in some cases. They also gave me a place where I could be still heard and, and feel like I'm part of community. So um, it's kind of interesting creating something that actually comes back to effectively save your life. And I do believe that more than anything in regards to the significance of, of what we've created. So. I like what you shared in the video. Uh, there are a lot of videos on Be Human Project that I suggest you look up on YouTube. But I liked the phrase that you said after you had a stroke, you still were challenged on how you were putting words together. But you had a revelation that, and I quote, I have all the words when I am with people I understand I will make a positive difference with. And really brilliant because your brain and your speech uh, was coming together because your heart was actually allowing or God was allowing that communication to be free, free flowing. And speaking of free flow, let's talk about the theory of flow. Yeah. Um, I think most people that are probably listening to this understand the theory of flow and why it was created. And, you know, 50 or probably 40 some years ago with uh, Mihai Chick sent Mihai, a psychologist out of the university of Chicago. Um, what was fascinating is that, it, it, um, I was introduced to it, uh, uh, by Bill um, Hybels out of Chicago. And, and Bill was talking about flow and, and the significance of, of living a life and, and especially sitting down. Why are the best 
people at what they do the best. And, and that's what Flow dealt with, is that when somebody has a challenge, they have to have the skills to deal with that challenge. And if you're a scientist, if you're a musician, if you're an artist, if you're an author, uh, a musician, all of these things were skills you were born with. And the people that were born with the ability to do something should be at the best. And, and that's what was interesting. When you saw people that were actually doing something, they were born, and God said, you need to do this. If they weren't doing it, they weren't in flow. So they, every challenge was a struggle for them because they didn't have the skills to do it just for that challenge. But if they were doing it, then all of a sudden they had something special. And I remember, uh, I used to always have a quote from uh, Roger Bannister, who, who ran the first four-minute mile. And he said, in, in, around the theory of flow, he said, I, I, uh, he's born to run. And he said, when he set that record, he said, I felt like the world was moving below me. And I was just literally floating above it. But he said, I found a source of power and beauty, a source that I never knew existed. And I believe that's God. I believe in a moment that you're actually doing something you're designed to do, but there's no ego, right? It's, you're not there to do it because you're the fastest. You're doing it because you're designed to do this. And, and I was always fascinated by that. If I'm sitting with people and I'm telling you, are you doing what you're designed to do? What, is your, what, is you, what do you think you're designed to do? When they were talking about things, you could see where they don't connect. Where they're trying to make, make something happen that wasn't natural. And... Mm-hmm. Um, why the flow mattered to me because there's one part of flow that says when you're sitting with high challenges which you don't have any skills to address that's where their anxiety exists and that's where people have heart attacks that's where strokes happen that's where people go home and commit suicide that's where people go home and beat their kids beat their wives because they're so overwhelmed with what was happening in life and I started to realize that that's every day you're meeting people that are in that moment that have that, but they're not telling anybody about it. They're keeping it to themselves. And that's when I realized I had to change what Flo was talking about in regards to skills in change into relationships. So when you have high challenges, you have to have relationships. And if it's a relationship that's based in love where there's trust, you're going to start sharing something or somebody's going to notice something in you that says you're not being who you should be. And because of that, they'll tell somebody, you're, you're, you need help. I'm here for you. I've got your back. Those types of things really do matter. And I realized that when you're in anxiety, the next step has to be transparency. And if either if I'm not going to share it with somebody, then it's got to be somebody who loves me enough to say, Peter, you're struggling. What can I do for you? And that's where I think the difference is. And then I call flow which is that base of, of challenge and skills being 100% focused on what you're Billy and, and who you are uh, and to be the best you can be. Uh, I realized that in the world of relationships, it's actually a blessing. You either can become more relevant to the world because of the fact you're being real or you're going to also be blessed because you're going to help other people because they're going to see that, that, uh, that, that weakness in you that they're dealing with, they're not willing to share. You're saying, no, you need to. Well, I love that you took the flow diagram, which has eight parts to it, and it has uh, four quadrants that are have four mid-quadrants, and then you turned it into a relevance that was more up-to-date, and you made flow synonymous with blessed, and I, I really do like how you had the words translate into something that was more geared towards real relationships instead of skill level. I wanted to, go, I wanted, I wanted to yeah. go to uh, where you were speaking about how many meetings you were doing and you started asking Mm -hmm. people about their mission and their vision and you found that there was a correlation between their confusion or the uh the 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 incongruency of the group's uh total view of the mission and their success yeah it was um imagine coming from a business world where you're dealing with mission and vision every day and you're meeting with some of the top people in the world. In 2010, uh, um, I was at kind of the height of what I was doing and I was being introduced to everybody. So when I met a significant person, they'd introduce me to somebody else and say, Peter, I want you to know this person. <clears throat> and what they would do is they, I, I was meeting people that I read about. And when I finished my year, I had over 1400 meetings. Um, you know, I, I was kind of in my own mind, thought I was this, this rock star. 
uh, at the time, even my kids would have to be on a, uh, literally call my assistant to get on a schedule so I could have a conversation with them. You know, it was stupid stuff, right? And, but when I sat back and, and I'm meeting all these people, I, I asked myself, how do I describe that person? Other than the fact that they're known and they're somebody spe- special or because people have read about them. But who are they really? And that's when I started to realize that vision statements and mission statements don't mean anything, even to a business. Because when, when a business is in crisis, all of those things fall apart. And the people mm-hmm. that are supposed to be the most significant to that business, being the executive team and the investors and the people that, and the employees, all of them start sharing different stories in regards to the significance of why that's there or why it shouldn't be. You know, and they're actually all looking for new opportunities because of that. They're trying to get away from it. And I realized if we look at business in a human statement and saying, are my friends trying to run away from me? Am my family trying to run away from me because I'm not being real? Do we not have a vision to who we are together which, as an entity being the family? That's when I realized, wow, we're dealing with the same issues on the business side as we do with the, the human side. And, and certainly when you start dealing with child abuse and you start to see some of the worst abuse of children, you can see what, what, how the business is run. The, the family has lost its ability to love. There's no next generation of anything. You're actually potentially killing it. And ego is killing everything. So then I realized that if, if I sit back trying to understand who you really are and why you're created, it's not vision and mission. It becomes passion your uniqueness and who you designed to be, what you want to do to make an impact, and how does that turn into something being sustainable or being legacy, you know? So I, I, I created this thing called the home plate, which was the basis of who you are and why you're created. And, and I, I shared this with you yesterday, Ken. I still believe the number one issue in our country is most people don't know who they really are. They're trying to be something else. And every business has another business they want to be like. And it's fascinating to see that. And when I started to go back to those 1,400 um, relationships that I was introduced to, I'm meeting people for the first time that I've read about. And somebody told me the reason why you need to know them is because they're in a crisis. Somebody who loved them said, this person is struggling. This person doesn't know who they're going to be. They're about to go bankrupt. They're about to t- take their lives. That was fascinating to me. So I, so I was learning things about these people that the world doesn't know. Even sometimes their families didn't know. And I kept going back to this basis. Well, hold it. Forget about what you've become. Who were you created to be? And that was a whole different conversation. And when I created the, when I, the home plate was created so that when I said to somebody, I'm listening, I can say to them, here's the words that matter to me. This is who I think what you've described your passion being. And Ken, I can do this about you. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. You and know, the, the fact that I'm sitting back here on this this national platform about people and wanting to help this world to be a better place and people to know people at a different level. You know, so your passion is people. It's community. It's wanting to make sure the stories we're talking about are things that are relevant. And when, if I said to somebody, it's not just about passion. He loves this. It makes He loves people smiling. He knows a fake smile versus a real one. He knows that's the most important thing when you walk into a room, somebody's smiling, right? If that's the basis of who you are, then why would I ever introduce you to somebody that doesn't represent that or doesn't care mm. about that? And what makes your story in life unique in regards to why you created that? That's the story I want to come back to you about. So that's the next question I want to ask you. So you're creating all this. You're coming out to me. You're, you're loving on me. You're loving on my friend, Michael. What makes you unique? And it's a beautiful thing in regards to your life story, in regards to why smiling matters, why this radio show matters. And I'm going to ask that question to you right now. Why the show matters to me? Uh, it is a platform that allows me to show my heart at, at a level that I couldn't do or on a personal level. It's much like me asking you to do a book. Please don't talk to people. Please record what you're saying and share it, just like your YouTube videos. So I am so excited that Voice America allowed me to be on the influencer channel to take a mission, which I would almost call a calling, and allow me to pick the people that I want to amplify in life. And it's it's very interesting. I get more joy out of amplifying someone else's greatness than talking about myself. I, I really feel my purpose is to amplify goodness. Well, 
can imagine I can take that and I can go see, I can say, Rosa, do me a favor. Do you love, what, what's the passion that you see in Ken? Do you believe that uniqueness of what he's talking about is truth? Is it real? Because that's how you guys are coming together to make an impact. You can start to see the, the world that you're creating around you is based in the, of what you believe is important. And you only attract with people that want that. Well, you know, I want to fact you're, I had, you know. uh, Peter, I want to make a couple other points because we're getting closer to the end of the show. Uh, one point I wanted to make is I love when you said uh, the flow is like the optimal right top corner and then blesses the top right corner. And then you talked about you talk to companies about who they are and how how much they related and uh, collaborated on their mission or vision. And I want to say that in in your book, I would suggest that you could almost su- uh, substitute the bottom real relationships with perhaps synergy or collaboration and call, instead of relevance, abundance. Because a company that actually really understands their synergy quotient, I would imagine, has the highest amount of flow, i.e. profitability. And profitability, when it's optimized, is effortless, too, I, I imagine. Because everyone's no, the same game. No, you're absolutely, you know, I, I think, you know, this is where the, the Be Human Project is really, uh, why it's so significant. Every entity, and especially in the business, is more like a human. It's a living, breathing organism that's loved, it's fed, you know, it's nurtured. I mean, that's what you're designed to do. And, and all the relationships that matter to that, and, and I always say, if I, if I look at a, if I created a box, and the only relationships that matter to anybody and to a business are the people that are effectively are either in that business as an employee, you know, it's the investors that invest in it, it's the customers, right? And it's also its partners, right? All of those things are just relationships. And they're all based in, 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 in the world of business, they're based on contracts, right? And they just describe our relationship and what we do. But at the end of the day, if I'm sitting back and I'm asking people at every level of that business, why are you here? Who is this business to you? How do you describe it? We start to see things falling apart, you know, in well, regards we to are, the, the, yeah, sorry. We are almost out of time and I want to cover, let's call it uh, modified rapid fire. I want to just ask you a question. You give a very short answer so we can get to a couple more points that I wanted to get to. Uh, first of all, uh, Dr. Amodi and the water experiment. Okay. Yeah, um, Dr. Moto uh, created this experiment where he put water onto rice plants, and he'd look at one rice plant and, and go bad rice plant, and the other one he'd go I love you, and and then he had another one he'd just ignore. And he noticed that the one that he hated and the one that he ignored were dying. The one that he said I love you to was growing. He, he started to understand there's something else happening here, and it, and, it, and then he started to look at the water, literally at a molecular level, what was happening to the water. What was happening is that water was changing. So all of a sudden, you notice there's some music playing in the background. That music would actually change the water he was looking at. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. Thank you. That's a beautiful answer. And again, same same type of question. Quick answer. Uh, I asked two questions to people um, about ten million dollars in six months to live. What's the reason for that question, and what's the importance of the question? The answers to those two questions should be the same. What you do with ten months. Uh, with uh, uh, with time to live, six months to live, or with ten million dollars or money of any level, uh, what are you going to do to make a difference? Most answers should be the same. And you ask those questions to CEOs or people that were looking to be funded by you to understand what their intentions were. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. What, what are they going to do with money? Because they're probably going to become rich. Or what are they going to do with with only a certain time in life that tells you what's the most important to them? And, and I and I wish we had a lot of time to go into these, and this is why a part two, perhaps in three months or even closer to the publishing of your book, which a question would be, if you're doing a book this year, what would you call it? Uh, well, Friends of Peter. Friends of Peter, okay. Michael, since you've been so patient, do you have a question you'd like to ask? Fast question, fast answer? Yes, sir. Go ahead, ask a question. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I missed what you said. I'll, I'll ask the question to Peter. What's, your, what's a quote you live by? Um, my favorite quote is Roy Croft. I love you not for who you are, but for who I am when I'm with you. That's beautiful. And Michael, do you have a question that you'd like to ask Peter? That's a quick, quick question. Uh, I, unfortunately, I really don't. I mean, this is okay. fascinating to me. I, 
uh, learn more about Peter every time I talk to him, which is a good thing. All right, Peter, uh, tell our listeners maybe three books that changed your life that you would recommend them reading to make 2018 a better year. Well, uh, The Shack, uh, a friend of mine, Paul Young, wrote that. Um, I love it. Um, there's a book called, uh, I, I thought it was The Three Faces of, of Abraham, but it's just Abraham. And it's the three faiths that came from Abraham that helped me understand the world of religion. And uh, um, uh, Walking on the Shoulders of uh, Giants. I think it's uh, John Maxwell's book. Um, I don't know if that's right. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get, we'll get those links so people can uh, follow them. And since you mentioned some of these are good friends of yours, we'd love to have them on the show, obviously. How can people follow you? Where can they connect with you? And I did mention the YouTube. And obviously, Elliot Frick is a, is a very important person in your life. So if you'd like to acknowledge anyone in closing. Um, I, I didn't hear the last part of that. You said that the people that were... Feel free, to, free, feel to, uh, free, feel free to, to acknowledge anyone that uh, has made a, a difference to you that you're proud of. And then also tell people how they can follow you. Sure. Um, well, obviously, friends of Peter. Um, and uh, you can go to friendsofpeter.net. And uh, I'd be happy to, to give you some more information on that. It's going to be uh, coming around. There's no question. Uh, the people that made the biggest difference in my life, uh, you know, Dr. Easton Wren, uh, uh, Dave Thomas from Wendy's had a huge impact on my life in regards to, uh, um, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm probably waiting for the next big one. Uh, but every everybody that's in my life, uh, um, I, obviously, uh, you know, having Kelly in my life is, is significant. Uh, but I think the, yeah, I'm going to well, I, I think there's going to be. Well, I just want to say, I think Elliot uh, Frick did an amazing job with the oh. videos, and I do encourage people to go check them out. He, he, yeah. he obviously has a grand uh, vision yeah. for actually amplifying what you're doing in life, and he has yeah. you as the cover on his Facebook page. I, I can't. It just it just came to me. Rich, this a guy. He's going to be one of your you're one of your guests on the show. Skipper Dipple, Akeeman Dipple, and his book, The Language of Conscience, changed my life. And his last book, The Wisdom of Generations, uh, is okay. uh, even a bigger story. And so I that'll be one. So. Thank you. Well, Peter Stroper, you have been amplified. Thank you so much for starting the year off uh, on 2018 with us and us with you because you really set the tone. And I'm excited to start the group on your behalf. You'll be the first person I invite. And we'll invite other people you think should be on the show as well as people in the past so we can really amplify uh, this, this message of stepping up and being a difference in the world. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplify. Be sure to join Ken Rashad again next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go get your message heard.